Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk, joined by Chapin Hemingway and Lee Carlo. Uh, this week we have a new movie for you guys. It is, we're going to be reviewing Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. And then we're going to play a little fantasy Hollywood and pretend we're big time directors and we're going to draft our acting troops. Black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Gentlemen, welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. Dead man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. We bury it. They don't. We come back and collect. So guys, we finally have a new movie with a seasoned, famous director at the helm. Uh, this week we're going to be reviewing Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, which came out on Netflix. All right, let's get right to it. The timing of the release of this movie has to be the first thing we address. As we all know, there are hundreds of Black Lives Matter protests across the country protesting police brutality and America's history of marginalizing the lives of African Americans. Now, of course, this movie was not made in response to the most recent events. Obviously, this movie has been made for the last whatever year. Um, and it happened to just come out right now. Um, <clears throat> it, but it touches on many of the same issues that we are dealing with now, especially that of America's sort of irreverence for the lives of black people. In The Five Bloods, it's specifically Vietnam. Uh, but the fact that this movie was made previous to this sort of shows just how big the problem really is. Now saying all that and knowing the full gravity of that cause, it's impossible to not at least in some way watch this movie through that prism. And the question I wrestled with while I watched this movie, and the question I want to ask you guys, is as critics, are we supposed to review this movie letting the forces of our own outside world influence us, or do we actually serve the film better by trying our best, although it may be impossible, to critique this movie on its own merits? And asking that question, how did you guys go about that with Spike Lee's newest movie? 
It's a good, it's a really great question. I so I watched this movie twice. I was able to get a second viewing in, which I'm really grateful that I did. Um, but I'll answer your question based more on my first viewing because I think that's a little bit more what you're referring to. And I think to begin with, it's sort of impossible to critique a Spike Lee movie without those types of things in mind. I mean, he's well, always he's always those are in mind no matter what, whether this had happened or not. Exactly, and that's my that's what I'm saying. And so, so you're going into this movie at any point in history with with that coloring your your critique for <laughs> no pun intended. Um, so I think, I think it's at least my first time through, I don't know if I was making an effort to do it, but I was critiquing this as a movie. It's very clear throughout what Spike Lee is trying to say. And it's very clear how topical all the things he's trying to say are, but I was looking at how he handled that material and how he executed that from a cinematic standpoint, which I think is important. Like now I don't, regardless of how my feelings towards this movie come out after doing that, I don't think that means we can't recommend this movie or champion this movie, good or bad. I think it's saying important things, but saying important things and being a good movie aren't always the same thing. So to answer your question, like we do have to, as critics, come into this, I think first and foremost, judging it as a movie. A movie's a movie is a movie. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that we can't say, okay, maybe he didn't do this well, but he's still, you know, his message is clear. And I think it was good that this message got across or or whatever. Like, I still think there can be good aspects of it, um, regardless of what your critique is. Or, and maybe, maybe your critique is great. And that, and that's the best case scenario is that you have a movie that you can champion and that people will love and that will say the important things. Chapin. Uh, yeah, uh, I think um, one one of the things I wanted to talk about on this episode uh, kind of makes sense to talk about now with your question. Um, I watched Do the Right Thing again uh, with Katie, kind of in preparation for this podcast, but also just because, you know, what's going on in the um, in the news and, and what's going on in the country. Um, and that movie is, you know, spoiler alert for uh, 31 year old movie but uh, the end of that movie is like very sort of eerily similar to what happened in our country um, over Memorial Day uh, Radio Rahim has a has a interaction with Sal played by Danny Aieo, um in his pizza parlor and the tensions have been building there all day um, and it breaks into a physical altercation and they fall out into the street and then the cops come and they choke and kill uh, Radio Rahim and then a big riot happens and it's all very believable and you see how these things escalate and you see all the issues we're still talking about now as a nation contained in this little intersection in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn um, and it's interesting that that movie being much older than this movie kind of really makes you think and you can sort of see the things that are happening sort of racially and as culturally 
um, in the country now, sort of in a microcosm of that little area. I think the difference between that that and the the five bloods is that the five bloods is definitely looking back and what i think it's doing is providing some context that perhaps we and maybe um i assume most of the people out protesting are younger than we are in general um may not have a whole grasp of which is like you know these guys are you know 50 years ago were in vietnam and were treated in, in a much different way than um we might understand and i think um it provides some to answer your question directly, Jeremy. It provides some context. I don't know that it. I don't know that it really changes the way I reflect on things going on in the news right now. Or I don't know that the things going on in the news right now reflect the way I look at it. But it does provide some context. Yeah, and I think it's the reverse. It's the do the things going on in the world basically alter your critique of this movie? Is there any part of you that's nervous to? talk about this movie in a negative way i am i'm definitely nervous about that i i so that's I'm, part of that's I'm not. part of it i'm but not what, but, but it's not it's not it's not so much that i'm nervous like i don't want to be labeled a racist or something like that it's the same kind of um feeling i had about um annihilation like if if you were to say you don't like this movie that doesn't mean you don't appreciate a film talking about racial issues or that you disagree with the racial issues that are being discussed. I think that always should be championed to some extent. Um, but I think you can still have an opinion on the movie. Okay. And, and before we get into that, let's give a little backstory on the movie itself. Um, so basically there's a group of Vietnam vets, they call themselves the five bloods that are in their sixties, I want to say that go back to sixties or seventies. All right, maybe so even, yeah. late sixties, early seventies that go back to Vietnam to for a couple reasons to find a lost buddy and also to find some gold that they had buried at the time. Um, and and the movie sort of flashes back and forth between those two timelines. Um, and Spike Lee does something very interesting that I've never seen before, but he just keeps the older cast as their younger selves, which I actually thought was pretty clever and interesting to see. So that's the basis of this movie. But within there, there is a tapestry of all these issues that we just talked about, um, interwoven between splices of history, between their actual experiences, between their conversations, and between their interactions with each other. So Lee, you wanted to yes. continue that. Well, I was I was going to answer your your first question in terms of are you afraid are we afraid to say anything negative about or nervous to say anything negative about this movie and, you know, uh, and also like how has everything going on, you know, maybe changed the way we look at this movie. I I it doesn't impact how I will review the movie, but I will say that something that was interesting and it has to do with how I think the narrative surrounding Black Lives Matter and everything that we've been dealing with lately has changed a little bit in that I watched this movie really thinking about these how these characters felt about the things that happened to them and were happening on screen. It's very easy for me to watch a movie and think about how I would feel about those things 
And I think, of course, that's part of the problem that we're trying to address as a nation, that we're, we're not understanding the difference between what black people have been through in, over the course of history and what white people have been through. And I thought it was really interesting, and I think it maybe is one of the first times, especially with a Spike Lee movie, that I've really been able to do that. I mean, I've always... I don't know if I've always, but I think I've I've followed the pack in terms of Spike Lee be, going from being like a sort of a radical filmmaker to one that's actually just kind of knows what he's talking about. Like now it's just an important filmmaker. Um, and I think this was the first time I watched one of his movies and and kind of recognized that he was telling a story through the eyes of a black man, not necessarily the stories that I, I would see. Does that make sense? Um, this is the first of his movies that you've noticed that with? That I think I, I let myself experience it that way. I mean, okay. I always like understand that that's the case, but I, I think it's just hard to do. It's not something that would come naturally to a, a privileged white guy. Um, but all that having been said, none of that got in the way of me criticizing this movie. Now, I mm-hmm. liked a lot about it. I liked it a good amount more the second time around, but there's a ton of problems I have with it. A I ton, agree. A ton. I, I, I and, agree. I think there, this movie, for lack of a better word, especially the second half, is a mess. I th- Yeah, I think it's... Yes, I think it's a mess. I think it's a tonal mess. I think the plot is a bit of a mess. Yep. Um, I think the writing is not great. Um We'll get into the specifics on all of this, but I think it's funny that you answer, you asked that opening question, Jeremy, because well, I think he does. I think there's a lot of good things in this movie, and I think that the 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 story that Spike Lee is trying to tell is pretty good, but it's not expertly executed, and it's not done to perfection, and there are a lot of critics hyping this movie as a masterpiece, suggesting some semblance of perfection. And I wonder if that has a little bit to do with what you were talking about when you opened this, that people have a little bit of fear in the way that they review this movie. And I specifically didn't... I only saw the Rotten Tomatoes uh, aggregate score as like Mm -hmm. 90-something. I specifically didn't look at any other critiques because I wrestled so hard with that question that I wondered if other critics did too. And I wanted to have this discussion with you guys before I was in any way influenced by other critics. Right. Because I felt like that was maybe part of the thing. And I didn't want to go in and read a review and say, oh, they're just saying this because. So that being said, and we'll we'll get to you, I guess, because we don't know what Chapin's opinions are yet. Um, yeah, let's let's hear from Chapin because I don't know how you feel about it, Chapin. If you feel the same way Lee and I do, and then we can get into specifics of what we disliked. Yeah, it's a it's a really problematic movie. It's got a lot of issues. Um, okay, I think the I like a lot of what's happening in it. I think the ideas are there, um, and maybe one thing that I think you guys might not even respond to, but I just think like a lot of the mechanics of the movie are really bad as well. Um, like things like I couldn't even believe we were still doing um, fake blood splatter. Like, yeah, well we can get into it. You probably don't want to yeah. lead, lead with that stuff, but, um, right. 
Yeah, I mean, some of the words I used is disjointed, mm-hmm. clunky, yep. incoherent. Became, I would say. Incoherent became yep. silly sometimes. Totally. Yep. Um, it, it, and it all goes back to a very big tonal shift or tonal shifts. Yeah, plural, multiple shifts. Yes. Within this movie, the overarching issue I had with this movie is the lack of weight that I felt like it had dealing with very important subject matter. But the silliness that you talked about, Jeremy, was rampant through this movie. And I think maybe the best example comes in a little bit of spoiler territory when something happens to the first of the bloods. It is silly. It looks like a scene out of Tropic Thunder. And then yeah, not does, only that. It does. Or, 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 um, I mean, this is the stuff I was talking about. Or, uh, Monty Python. Like, you can hear yes, the little. Yes, exactly. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yep. Yep. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I wrote silly once the mine started. Yes, but it's not just that silliness. But we it's, should say that they're, uh, one of the main characters, one of Duffy Bloods, steps on a landmine and. The resulting makeup slash special effects looks like something out of a yes. scene from the, you know, the sort of behind the scenes shots of Tropic Thunder. It looks like exactly. a joke. It's not, it's, and yes. I don't know if that's like just bad craftsmanship or, or uh, was that intentional? I don't, I don't but there know. was a lot of stuff like that. Oh, there okay. Was. So, so now that we're saying this, like, I also think the, the, I mean, again, this is such like nitpicking, but the 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 fake guns yeah. you know the guns shooting they have absolutely no physics happening to them they're just like little muzzle flashes and but yeah but Chapin you're talking about them as nitpicks but the thing is it's it's just the extent of the nitpicky things throughout this movie sum up to a bigger issue but my problem is not so I mean I do have a problem with the silliness of the the aftermath of the landmine but it's it's the reactions of these characters. So, like, with the exception of Del, uh, Delroy Lindo, who we'll get into later in this podcast, everybody, all the other Bloods are acting like they're on fucking vacation on this trip. Yeah. And then this happens, and they're like, oh, no. Oh, shit. yes that's another example why does isaiah whitlock jr have to have that line in every movie that that when that that doesn't bother me okay but when that happened that told me that they were that uh, collectively this movie wasn't being taken seriously enough like it doesn't belong there like his catchphrase doesn't belong in this movie his catchphrase Um, from the wire yeah, Correct. which he also says in 25th Hour, like everything you but see. But 25th in, in, Hour was way before The Wire. But they, he says it in both of those things. Oh. He does that she, like it's literally his thing. Um, <laughs> but like there's just no weight to what what is going on with these characters. They, mm. you know, they, they act or they say that at one point they say to uh, Delroy Lindo's character, Paul, who very clearly throughout this movie is suffering from PTSD. One of them mentions when he's having an attack, a panic attack. Hey, we all have PS- P- PTSD, man. None of them look like it. Wouldn't it bother them immensely more to go back to this place? They're all like uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is running around with his, uh, with his metal detector. Guys, guys, I'm getting hits all over the place. I got more. Like, it was just so like, irreverent 
like it just didn't have any weight to the to the movie. So when the tone but, changed, they were all out of place. When it wants to, it goes hard for the weightiness and the seriousness. When it has certain with one moments, character, with one. No, character I think with the movie, movie, the movie goes back in time, and whenever it need needs to be weighty, it just doesn't work because everything else isn't. And and. And I also just didn't understand the relationship between these these people. I, I know he's trying that Spike Lee's trying to tell us something from the backstabbing and the brotherhood and you know just but one moment they're blood brothers for life and nothing can break that bond and then the next moment they're enemies and then they're back to it and then one of them dies and then they're you know back to all fists in the in the middle and then there's this weird love interest with jonathan myers character who's jonathan majors i mean majors character i did that before didn't i um so i it just okay. it didn't know what it wanted. And also, on top of it all, you saw all these different sort of tricks that Spike Lee has used in a lot of his other movies where the, it's worked before, but he sort of it put them all in a blender here and threw them, threw them at the wall to see what stuck. I, I think a bunch of, like I said with Chapin, like, it, some of these aren't quite as nitpicky as like the fake guns and things like that, but like I think it was a sum of a lot of little issues that came together that that caused problems for this movie. Um, I thought that I thought the acting for the most part was pretty underwhelming. Actually, um, I, I thought I thought Delroy Lindo was good. I thought Jonathan Majors was good, and That's I have it. to admit, guys, I have to tell you, I rewatched Last Black Man in San Francisco because Lydia wanted to see it, and. Shame on me, man. I dropped the ball big time not nominating him for... You know he was my number one. I know, and he was on Chapin's list, and had I nominated him, it might have changed the results a little bit, but I was watching that. I'm like, man, this guy is legit. Um, Yeah, I thought Delroy Lindo was very good since we're talking about it. um, Chester Peters was fine. Um, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., I think he belongs in comedies. He was out of place. Norm Lewis, who played Eddie, was straight up bad. Um... And so I think the acting was was an issue because I think a lot of the dialogue was poorly written and bad acting can't save that. I mean, you have scenes where like they're they're reminiscing and and talk about what you guys remember that that cracker movie Rambo, like just so that they can ham fist a line in there about a a black hero from Vietnam that they should have made a movie about. And it just felt like they were just cramming this bad dialogue into the movie so Spike Lee could, you know, tell a story about. Um, you know, some some black person in history, and that's fine. Like that's fine if that's a story you want to tell. But it wasn't. Like I said, it just wasn't executed to perfection, and what, that's what a I, problem. I guess I think what went wrong. If I was Spike Lee, I think it's because he gave himself zero parameters. He could do anything at any moment in this movie. He can have this sort of romanticized orchestral score while they're fighting battles in Vietnam. He could have a conversation, like you said, Lee, and then all of a sudden just cut to a random person in history. Mm-hmm. Um, he could just decide to, after two hours, have one of his main characters talk directly to the camera. Um, 
and give a, a, a huge monologue. Nothing. It felt like everything was on the table for him so that he reference movies like crazy all throughout very obviously he just went for it and because everything was on the table and then no what else was on the table a fun buddy action movie somehow was on the table (laughs) yeah they were all on the table so he just went with it and it's just because of that it's a mess it nothing it doesn't work as a whole Hmm. it's just interesting because my second time around like a lot of the little things still bothered me but as a whole I actually thought it maybe did work a little bit better. And I think, and I, and it was really hard to pinpoint why, um, but it was interesting because I watched it the first time and I was like, God, all the things we've been saying, like this is a disjointed mess. But I'm like, I didn't dislike this movie and I was really struggling with that thought. So I was trying to figure out why and I knew it, I knew I had to watch it again. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna have time, but I, I was able to watch a decent amount of it last night so I could finish it up kind of today on my computer while I was working and that's not a great way to rewatch but it was enough to kind of you know resolve a couple of things for me and it actually structurally the story works pretty nicely um and the and the flashbacks back and forth within the structure of the script I think work I I still had mm, I major issues really I I still have such issues with the motivations of the characters or lack of motivations for the characters. I think a lot of that comes back to um, what I thought was a big problem with the movie is the Chadwick Boseman character. I, I, I didn't feel the... Uh, he is he is propped up as this Christ-like figure to them. Um, yeah, almost, you, ne- you almost never not get a real. real sense of what, yeah. what his appeal is to them or... I mean, I think like you get these flashbacks where they, they seem sort of heightened, where he's teaching them about you know what it means to be kind of uh, to be black and um, talking about all the issues and you know standing up for black people in America and it just doesn't work. I'm not sure why. Uh, he just it's it's done sort of. It feels like almost tongue in cheek. Like it feels too kind of contrived in a way. Does that make sense? It does. Um, it, I, I and, just and think you're it- and you're looking at it like sorry, Lee. You're you're you're. You know, you're looking at these things and, and the guys are still like look exactly as they do now. And I realize like, you know, I don't you know, I was making a joke that they forgot to push the Irishman DH button on the final export. <laughs> but I mean obviously that's a it's choice. Just a button. <laughs> obviously that's a choice um that Spike Lee made. And okay, but honestly, like those scenes just didn't work. Um and I didn't feel like you really got a kind of sincere understanding of what the importance of this character was to these guys and uh you, you know you didn't you didn't see the brotherhood that they were latching no, on to so no, tightly no but the brotherhood I, also fell apart pretty quickly when it needed when it needed to right right and and i think you know when i originally heard the plot for this this story which is based i guess on a screenplay that was written for for white guys, so I, you know, the racial element of this was not in the initial draft. I was excited because you know it was like, oh, that's an that's really interesting, and Spike Lee will find a way to you know make it about which I think ultimately he did about you know what it's like to be, you know, that's a huge sort of often unspoken part of um, racial minorities in in this country is that they over serve in the military and and just like. 
people who, you know, are of low income status as well. Like they, they serve, especially in a war like Vietnam and a lot higher rates um, and with a lot more death than, than, you know, white people do. And that's a form of prejudice, of course, all on its own. That's largely unexplored, but I don't know, like, I, the excitement of that story was also quite lost. So like you've got this entryway, you know, you've got this nice kind of um, emotional connection with the, with the um, Chadwick Boseman character. So they're going back to Vietnam to get him and bring him home because he was very important to them. But Which, also where get, was he when they got him? That's a little nitpick question I had. What do you mean? Like oh, they right. went like, and how they, they got bring him, him back. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie oh, yeah. happened. But where was he that whole time? In their backpacks? And, like, did and they split him up? The, <laughs> and apparently the other ones that, the other guy there that died early on, they weren't going to bring him back. No, just leave the, him. Well, he they were going to leave, leave him yeah. there. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, and Blood's so, forever, except for you now, because <laughs> we could only carry one guy. Right. Well, but that's a great point, because you he does eventually make it home, but like, did they locate him or what? Like, They didn't actually pull him out of there like they did the gold. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. I would just say that like, you, you, everything is kind of divided. Like the attention is divided to all these different places and you just don't feel like, like he's focused on any one element. And I think that that idea of, you know, this black squad of guys in Vietnam kind of, took a lot of the focus away and, and 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 Spike Lee is usually quite good at that. Like that those moments I really liked where you know you have the flashbacks and things in in Black Klansman and the use of real footage and I love the way he does that, but I I, I don't know. It just didn't work for me in this one. Um and, and I left what? kind of feeling like not ha- not really appreciating the fun kind of treasure treasure of Sierra Madre element of this, the kind of yeah. um ra- uh Oliver Stone kind of Vietnam element to this, but also not feeling like I really had a good understanding of the racial elements either. I mean, that one I probably did leave with a little, a little bit better than the others, but none of them were sort of completely done. Right. And that's what I mean by he was able to do everything. So he really got nothing accomplished. And yeah, like, we haven't even talked about the, whole the side lamb plot, group. Yeah, the whole side plot of the, of the end battle with Jean Renoir's character, and just because he's French and they wanted to reference French's the French's uh, involvement in Vietnam and, and World War II. So I think that was part of the reason. And he t- was, and then all of a sudden it turned into, I would call it more of a Tarantino movie at the end. Uh, but you know, so and they tried to make. Gene Raynaud look like Trump in that last scene, right? Obviously, when he put the yeah. hat on, he's like run yeah, away yeah. in the white suit. Like he was supposed to very obviously look like him lumbering around. And yeah. they of course well, referenced Trump think, in the. I think that's just coincidence of old white guy, like tattered old, old white guy guys. with the wearing red hat MAGA hats. On. Yeah. Well, I mean, the MAGA hat he stole from Delroy Lindo, wasn't that? That right. was the point of that. Well, right. I want to get to the literally the entire Delroy Lindo character and plot in a second because I think that's maybe the most interesting part of this movie to explore. But yeah, we had, we didn't even talk about that. We didn't talk about the mind, the mind diffusing group. Um, with so, that uh, honestly completely in, irrelevant, like, including Paul Walter Hauser, who somehow we was might younger. Be, we might be this. looking at, uh, honestly, I've seen him in a few things, including black Klansman as well. Um, he might just be a one hit wonder with, with Richard Jewell. Like he's just silly in these, uh, like, 
But he didn't have anything to work with. In this. No, he like, didn't. What was he fault, supposed he wasn't to very good. do? I mean, wait, 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 it's just... wait, sorry. What was the intention of the the landmine? What was I have the, no what idea. They, they just there? showed up literally in the middle of the Vietnam jungle. Happened to be uh, right yeah. next to him. It, be like, hey, ran you can into help. him. I liked that then, scene when they pulled Jonathan Majors off the mine, though. That was pretty cool, and that was a yeah, good but, and that was a good bonding moment for. I really, I thought that was an emotional bonding moment for him and his father, which then just went away, which was so annoying. But yeah, but okay, so let's go back to the mine group that showed up at the exact same place they were yeah. in the middle of the jungle, and so off of this, th- there's just three people who locate mines that they met and, at a bar. And they happened to meet at a bar, and they happened to run into each other at the jungle. And then it started a sort of romance between Jonathan Major's character and one of the mine... Melanie uh, Theory, who plays Hetty, yeah, the leader. And then that all of a sudden went totally away. And then all of a sudden, by the end, it was back... There was just a lot of that back and forth, and that's a great example, Lee, with the father and the son. All of a sudden, they bond, only to take it away the next second. Like, what? Who are these people, and why? Okay. Where are their loyalties, and where? Why? Why do I care about all this? So, so that's a good lead into to Delroy Lindo, um, who is the most, like, by far, exponentially, the most layered character in this movie, and the best performance, and the best performance. Although, I actually think it was. Very, very good, if not great, but it's still getting a bit overrated, in my opinion. But that's maybe isn't maybe is I'm maybe I'm splitting hairs there. I mean, I, th- I thought he was excellent, but um, he's suffering from PTSD. We learn early in the movie that he voted for Trump. We see him wear a MAGA hat, um, which you know creates a whole nother set of interesting layers to his character. Um, I actually think but we're, it's, that were never explained, really. No, but I think I, I think I kind of got that. I mean, I think like you, you have a character here who is clearly damaged, clearly came back from a place that he was sent where he shouldn't have been, and then got no help to, from returning. Felt like he's been shit on his entire life, you know. And Trump targeted a lot of those people when he ran for president, and. So I think that's a little bit what that's going for. I, I just think it added an interesting layer. I I thought that they kind of tried to make a joke about it, sort of diffused yeah, they, any. One of the other blood said, "Ah, oh, he didn't vote for him. I don't believe it. I didn't yeah, and like then just pass sort of... it off." And and then Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Although it was kind of a funny line, he's like, "Is that a MAGA hat? God damn!" But um, they still just sort of they your don't... impressions are great on this list <laughs> of, of Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Um. But anyway, Del- Delroy Lindo, he plays Paul, and another example of somebody just showing up in this movie, his son shows up in Vietnam because mm-hmm. uh, he got his email password, um, and and he, we learn about the kind of strained relationship that they've had their whole life, and it goes back and forth and back and forth, and we see the real serious ups and downs that that Paul goes through throughout this movie and some really good scenes I think I thought the scene on the boat where the guy was trying to sell him the chicken and he kind of has his first breakdown was really good um yeah. and and then we kind of uh, crescendo to this monologue that he gives as he's walking through the forest um he's left everybody behind inexplicably and he just has decided he's going to go off by himself in Vietnam to be with Norm uh, I don't know uh, who's who's Chadwick Boseman's character? I didn't know how I felt about that, but clearly, 
the character that this movie paid the most attention to and wanted to highlight the most. Mm-hmm. And, Did it work and, for you guys? I mean, I I agree with what you're saying as far as like I thought his performance was great and I thought his character was interesting, but the writing was just not there. He gave it his all, but it was so again back to the word disjointed his character was so disjointed and i guess his character would be the only one that you can kind of excuse for being disjointed yeah yeah and which i think that, i did yeah which maybe helps but there's just so many waves that you're hitting with his character that you end up crashing on the rocks i think because you you know in one second you're he seems not interested in his own son at all, and then he need he needs to tell him he loves him. That makes sense right there, and he tells him that he you know he's always loved him. And then all of a sudden, I have no son. And then all of a sudden, we we got to save my son. And then so that's hard. That's hard to sort of get behind, even if this character is broken and has PTSD. And, you know, one second he's waving a gun at everybody and threatening to kill them, but they're his bloods. And that, that's the stuff I'm having a hard time reconciling. And if he's that mentally ill, I I don't know if this was the best trip for him to have gone on. Well, that was Um, my whole, that was my whole point before I was like, he he mentioned he has one line of dialogue. I, I forget if he's talking to Jonathan Majors or Chester Peters that, and he says like it's hard being back here, and you don't really see that. You don't see that as his as like the trigger for him, but you also don't see that for any of the other guys. Like maybe their PTSD isn't as bad, but they talk about they talk about you know going to meetings and you know having a hard time and how it was never fair for them coming back so they have clearly experienced similar things and like they literally treated this journey like like a hike like a hike up in their backyard like it was there was no gravity to it and that was frustrating i was like this should be more impactful for this guy these guys i actually like i was really interested in like the history of this movie like and and just like the world that is explored. Like, I think it's fascinating that there's still landmines in the jungle in Vietnam, live mines. Yeah. Like, I think that stuff's interesting. And like, I always, I always find it interesting that like, when you go back to some place 50 years later and you dig something up and it's there, it's a little different. Like, you know, somehow the mudslide made one of the gold brick go up the hill, but the rest went down. Um, yeah, and, and it happened to be at the exact same spot. He was going to take a shit. Yeah, exactly. But forget that. But like, I liked the the idea of the history of that. But these guys go back to this place that is like a traumatic spot in the history of their lives. Yeah, and I, they are not traumatized by it. Look, I wanted to feel all that. I wanted to get behind these guys. I wanted to understand their their bond. I wanted all that to come to fruition for me as an audience member, but it kept being distracted away by something else that Spike Lee was doing. And that's the crime of this movie. Cause the, some of the pieces are there and it's like you said, some of it's interesting. Um, I also wonder, and I don't know the answer to this, but I also wonder about the portrayal of the Vietnamese in this because there's all of I a thought, sudden that 
they are the bad guys again. Uh, not you only know, that, but their tour guide is like a fully trained soldier at the well, end too. <laughs> that that part's fine, but like I don't know. It's just like they're sort of. There's this t- moment towards the beginning in the flashback where they're going through the jungle, and they're crouched uh, below some grass, and they're overhearing some uh, Viet Cong coming towards them, and they're, they're subtitles. And one of the Vietnamese guys is talking about a poem that his wife, I believe, had sent yeah. him. And it's I really, really like it's that really nice. Touch. Yeah, yeah, and then, and he then gets all killed. of a sudden. They get they stand up and they kill him. I love that touch, and I'm like, oh, that's so interesting to be able to sort of sympathize with the enemy like that. I mean, not that any of the, I'm assuming none of the Bloods knew what he was saying, but we had subtitles and we could see it. Um, And then I thought it was weird that at the end it was just a bunch of more random Vietnamese that are just all of a sudden trying to take the gold again. But they did a lot at the at the, the especially towards the beginning of this movie of like exploring what it's been like to be a, a Vietnamese person since the war, and I liked that stuff too. Again, that lent mm-hmm. lent to the history a little bit. He's talking about their guides talking about how their his family literally fought against each other, civil war style, north against the south, Vietnamese in the war, and like, and they always call it the American War, and like how this American War divided families and made people fight against each other. And I thought that stuff was really interesting, and then. Eat that scene on the boat like these guys are just trying to sell sell him some chicken and it escalates and then he starts screaming at him you killed my brothers and sisters you killed my father you killed my family and like all that history is there they've tried to get on there with their life but like they're triggered in the same way that the, uh, these Americans are which I thought was really interesting and I, that, again that's like the history aspects that I really liked but just what you said and again we're w- this is a trend it dipped into i don't know commercial hollywood film like it, it, like this now they're the bad guy we need a bad guy we need the bad guys so we have to get the some uh you know other vietnamese other guys vietnamese guys yeah. out in the jungle to hunt them and i just think it's it doesn't work it, it it takes away anything good you had to begin with which is disappointing and i don't know there's a i I have so many notes that are just like little nitpicky things. I, I, Isaiah Whitlock jumping on the mo- uh, on the grenade at the end was oh, just man, so yeah. oh because he said earlier I was like I would never do that for you guys. And, and he doesn't even I, save anybody. There's the grenade that was my- anybody but him. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. This is my note. Where is it? Uh, Whitlock jumping on the grenade seemed a little pointless. He was the only one close enough to it anyway. <laughs> it's and it's like it's a joke. And he belly like flops. So yeah, he belly flops on it and he just goes like he had a big fart or something. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like if you had to sum this up, you guys like this movie is underwritten and overdirected. Would you agree with that? Sentiment? Yes, hundred percent. Yes, that's great. Good like way it's to put it's it, just yeah. it's it's got the it's just it's it's too conventionally written and. Spike Lee is like doing everything he can to squeeze something interesting out of it, and it's just—it's not there. It's too conventional. Yeah, but and okay, but this—this this is the thing—is that I really did like this more the second time. All this—all the problems still existed. Yeah, there's some great I stuff. Think- like the like honestly, they should have made like this movie should have focused on Delroy Lindo and Jonathan Majors, and yeah, it pretty much did because like as much as I love Clark Peters from The Wire, yeah. I mean, what was his character about? Like, what? Okay, like, I mean, but God, the 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 worst part of this movie was it ended up being the end, but the story with his daughter. 
yeah. I and, thought that was a joke. Like I thought, like when, when is this other when is this other the, shoe gonna fall? He the he comes, obligatory she comes, she goes, double dolly shot. I, Dad, I love you. So I miss you. You don't even bad. know. Yeah, it was so bad. And then this, the, he, and she's it, like fifty at that. Spike, point. Spike right. Lee has to have. Yeah, never known him. Spike Lee has to have the double dolly shot. I, you know, I wonder how effective it is in you I know, like, movie I to mean, movie. I like, I like the double dollar shot. I was waiting for it. I mean, I, I it I, was so pointless, so pointless. It's just the, them no, that whole, going down that the hallway whole, smiling. <laughs> the, but the whole that whole thing was. I mean, that's just so silly. Yeah, of course she's of course fifty because it was fifty years ago. I mean, yeah. that's another problem is that like. We're so removed from the Vietnam War now. Like it was fifty years ago. And are, but are we also like? I mean, I don't even know. I can't believe I'm getting this much into that storyline. But are we supposed to actually believe that that prostitute only had sex with one black GI <laughs> in the Vietnam War? So it must be his and daughter. How, and they and they stayed in touch. Yeah, he stayed in touch I, with this prostitute. Yeah, I don't. Over the I mean, years. Cl- yeah, I don't. It was that was a terrible storyline. Um. But I liked I the second time I think the thing I took the most out of the second time is what I mentioned at the top of the podcast which was seeing this movie I, I really don't want this to sound bad seeing this movie through a black person's eyes like understanding how these things impacted their lives as black people and I think that Spike Lee actually does say a lot of really important things and he says them well he doesn't make a good movie necessarily to do it the vehicle in which he uses is not successful but i think the message that he creates is is really good and it was kind of an interesting story to use to tell it it just was disjointed a mess all the things we've been talking about um i i just and i just don't i don't understand the praise for it i liked it but that's about well, it. now now that we've had this discussion i think i am going to go back and and see what critics are saying but i i had a feeling that it was <clears throat> was going to get praised. I was really excited to see this too, so I was also oh me too disappointed, like really disappointed. I mean, I, I like Black Klansman more than you guys did. Uh, it was one of my, I think it was like my third favorite of that year. I really yeah. liked that movie, and I think it was one of Spike Lee's best. Um, but and the, and you lacked the you lacked the cathartic elements that you got from Black Klansman. If for nothing, if nothing else, that that final chapter of Black Klansman, where he cuts the live footage of Charlottesville. You know that that made everything you saw feel much more real in Black Klansman. Here, the back and I, I felt like the the live footage didn't have that impact at all. I I thought it didn't ground I, I the think, movie. Well, I think it's just like we were talking about tonally. The movie was so all over the place; you didn't know where to focus your eyes. No. No. It's no use, Joe. Please Joe, don't. we've got to have it out. No. I have hey. loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. And, and I tried to show and you wouldn't let me, which is fine. No. But I must make you here now and give me an answer because I cannot go on like this hey, any longer. Please, please I gave don't. up billiards. I gave up everything you didn't like. I'm happy I did. It's fine. And I waited and I never complained because I... F- you know, I figured you'd love me, Joe. And I realize I'm not half good enough, and I'm oh, not this great yes, man. Yes, and yes, you are. You're a great deal too good for me, and, I, and I'm and i so grateful to you, and I'm so proud of you. And I just, I don't see why I can't love you as you want me to. I don't know why. You can't? No. I can't, I can't change how I feel, and 
It would be a lie to say I do when I don't. I'm so sorry, Teddy. So basically, the idea here is, uh, I, you know, Sarah definitely didn't come up with it. It was my idea all along. <laughs> I mean, I figured when you told us. That, and then yeah. uh, and then Chapin elevated it into a draft, and that's what we normally do is we elevate things. Um, so, you know, like Spike Lee works with, uh, you know, first person you think of Denzel Washington a lot. You know, oh, you I'll, have take sport- I'll take him. <laughs> uh, you have Scorsese who works with De Niro oh, and Keitel and Pesci. You have PTA that works with uh, John C. Riley and William H. Macy and Philip Seymour Hoffman back when he was alive. So you get you get the idea. Uh, I mean, I would have taken Philip Seymour Hoffman for sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know these actors uh, work with specific directors over and over again, and we were wondering who would be in our acting troops. And it's not just about taking, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and Christian Bale and Meryl Streep. Like, you can't work with them every movie, all three of them. So you, who would be sort of realistically... The rest of the cast. You, ...you'd want to work with? You can still hire Leo every once in a while to star in your movie, but who are the the guys and gals that you want to, that you like and have been champion, champion over the years <laughs> who, who are those people <laughs> all right i love it i got a, I got a good list here so i'm and um so since and then once, uh, they've, once they've been taken that you can't have them so yeah that's they're the gone point, the they're point gone. of the draft yeah yep. that's that's why we're doing a draft yep. so i'm gonna take the first overall draft because last time we did this i i let lee take it and he took my number one pick so <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna go with my number one pick and it's going to be Sam Rockwell. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. That's a good one. So, but see, so here's the thing is I, I, I tried to leave off actors that you could argue are already in somebody's troop. He's the, he's the only one, and I was going to say that, he's the only one of mine that you could be an argument that's in sort of a McDonough troop yeah. already, but uh, I'm still taking him, okay. and uh, he's my number one. All right, Chapin, what do you got? Oh, can Lee go first? Okay. <laughs> All right, my first pick. First Paul, overall pick. Paul Giamatti. Really? Interesting. I thought about him. Why? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love Paul Giamatti. I, he's in one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's like maybe his only big starring role. I mean, he's had a couple other ones, in, but with Sideways, um, one of my favorite performances ever. But he he elevates movies significantly, um, and he's in a lot of bad movies. But yeah, he, it's he, true. He elevates. I mean, but you think about like very small roles that he's in. It's amazing how many movies he's been in. But he's in like the Truman Show. He has this like really small, interesting, good role in the Truman Show. He works for Ed Harris in like the tech room. He's in um, Saving yeah. Private Ryan. He's in Saving Private Ryan. Clear down. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I think it's a great pick. And I also, when I was thinking about this, try, I was like trying to get a, a little bit of diversity in age. Mm-hmm. Um, as you well that, as, yep. you know, uh, gender and race, just to have, uh, you know, more people to choose from. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, uh, I like that you got an older gentleman in Paul Giamatti. All, all mine are old white guys. Good. All right, Chapin. In honor of the Well, speaking books. of age, I'm going to take two-time Fixie, Fixie Award winner Timothy Chalamet. Ah, uh, he's a... I, I thought Lee was going to take him first because that's a good young talent right yeah. there. I'll have him for a long time. And he time. hasn't really, well, I mean, Gerwig might have already claimed him, but. 
Maybe, but I, I will can I will I do worry a little bit. I, I try to think of my list in diversity during, of roles during this podcast. No, no, <laughs> keep your mouth shut, Lee. <laughs> I try to think about like you know people who can play a lot of different types of roles, and Chalamet has not proven that yet. But um, I think yeah, he's a, a great point. actor, and he's up and coming. So he'll well, be with my... your direction, I think he of course, can... yeah. Yeah. I'll push him to different things. You know, I do. <laughs> It'll be hard for him to do the uh, gun-wielding protagonist, but he'll have to beef up a little bit for that. All right, so I'm going to take, for my number two, I'm going to take his co-star in Little Women, Cersei Ronan. Oh, for fuck. Man. I wonder, okay, that's interesting. So I didn't put either one of them, because she's definitely in Gerwig's troop at this point. So, um, but Two movies. Yeah, that's true. Don't um, do it. All right. Don't do it. Ah man, Taven knows what I'm thinking. Um, you can go ahead. No, but I'm uh, my next pick. I well, if I'm being strategic, this shouldn't be my next pick because I don't think it's going to be on either of your list. But this is another actor that just is underutilized across the board, and I don't understand why. Um, another uh, alum from The Wire, Idris Elba. Oh. Wow. Okay. 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 Side note: I have this joke with my my friend Kevin that. Idris Elba has the world's worst agent. I mean, what happened to that guy's career? Right? God, it's it's he's so good. Like, and he just he picks should, the he should be worst roles. He should be Bond. I don't know why that's I mean, I'm sure there's a number of reasons that that's not happening, whether they're appropriate or not, but um he's always been in the conversation to be the next Bond, which he would be great at. Mm-hmm. He is one of the most interesting characters in the wire for four seasons or whatever it is he's in. Um and yeah, he just is underutilized across the board. Like, I was—I know. know you guys didn't really appreciate this movie, but Molly's game does have some good dialogue, and his little back and forth with uh, Jessica Chastain with uh, the Sorkin dialogue is just—it yeah. like it just shows you he's such a talented, skilled actor, and he has just been doing dog shit. Well, I well, know he, did, so he was able to replace Michael Scott. That's true. Yeah, he was in the but I yeah, and he was and so he was unlikable great. in that show. But he was oh, so he good, was so good. <laughs> What's he? He had a show of his own um, on Luther. Showtime or something. Luther. Luther. Yeah. I have either of you guys seen that? No. no. I, I think I maybe watched an episode. I don't or have Showtime. All right. All right. Uh, so Chapin, Chapin. you're okay. you're left. Uh, I'm your number number two overall pick. My number two overall pick is Sir Daniel Kaluuya. Oh wow! Great pick. Damn, now the reason I like him, shit. and I think he sort of falls into the um, uh, the uh, Idris Elba a little bit, but I think he's got even more range. Is that, of course he's British, um, but can do so he can just do a lot of different roles. Like we saw him as the sort of American protagonist in uh, Get Out, but we also saw him as quite a villainous role in oh, Widows. Best part of Widows for sure. Uh, we also saw him, you know, do a bunch of different things, and so I think he's. Got a, Sicar- look, I'm, Sicario, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for like diff- being able to do a lot of different. I'm looking for journeyman here, yeah. Because uh, I'm I'm going to make a lot of different movies with my troops. It's not going to be like the oh the same old thing. Yeah, you're not going to be Wes Anderson. No. Oh, whip pans. <laughs> be prepared to act, guys. That's a great one. Shit. All right, All right Jeremy. Um. I'm actually going to take somebody that was in The Five Bloods. I am going to take Jonathan Majors. 
yeah. He's two for two. Amazing, yeah. Um, and him. get him, get him while he's young. Yale he school drama. <laughs> I think he's good in Defy Bloods. I, I do too. I think he's great. Uh, underwritten, it. but so uh, I love yeah. the scene. So I love. I mean, there's a couple scenes where the guys in Five Bloods are dancing, and it's always funny. But when he's dancing after he finds the gold, what Jonathan Majors is dancing on the hill when they're all running down is so funny. So all there's right, that. Up. Cool. I'm up. Fuck Lee Chapin. Um. Oh boy. Um. All right. So let's see. I got to think. Uh. All right. Florence Pugh. Oh. Did did. Uh... I mean, here's what I'm thinking. Did like, take I, him off the... I, I don't think she would have necessarily been my next choice, except <clears throat> for the fact that I am, I'm looking like we've been talking about it. The age range, age ranges, and things like that. You know, I have Paul Giamatti and Idris Elba both, you know, on the older side. Um, so I need somebody to play, you know, Paul Giamatti's daughter, or something, you know, or Idris Elba's or love interest, <laughs> or love interest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've had, we've seen Paul Giamatti get with with women that he has no business being with. So she's gonna quit. She's gonna be out of your troop. <laughs> Why do you keep putting me as Paul Giamatti's love interest? Flo, here's what I need you guys to do. Okay, <laughs> not again. Oh, she's like, forget it, forget it. I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Chapin's troop, <laughs> where she's respected. Yeah, stick team me up with Timothy Chalamet again. All right, who do you got, Chapin, number three? Well, I need a woman, and you took both of my women. Um, <laughs> There's only two Sasha actresses. Ronan and, and Florence Pugh. Okay, um, I'm going to take Colin Farrell. Ooh, Ooh wow. a nice woman choice. <laughs> Again, another right. actor who's got a lot of range and can and has proven he can do both dramatic and comedic roles. Yep. Underrated yeah, actor a... somehow. Somehow is underrated. Yeah. I don't understand somehow. it. Never have, but and can do accents, etc. All right. Um <clears throat> my number 4 pick is an actor I've been trying to see really do well again for a long time and he's he's you know, had a few roles, but he's still not the name I want him to be in the name I'll make him. And it's Michael Keaton. What? Come on. What? What do you mean? He, he's played Batman. <laughs> no, no. I mean, recently. Okay. I mean. Remember I was like, we need more Michael Keaton? Yeah. And then so what was interesting is we actually saw a lot more of him. He did Spotlight and Birdman, like back to back. Is this like Carl Malone on the on the Lakers? He's gonna play one. He's gonna do one role and he's gonna retire. <laughs> he's gonna be like my John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Okay, I don't know about that pick. I love Thanks. Michael Keaton, but I want him in my troop. I, I need fine. the old, I need That's the fine. older guy. That's <laughs> he checks your box for the older guy. I don't have an older guy yet. All right, my next pick is Melanie Laurent. Hmm. So I can maybe maybe we could you know start something up on the set and she and I would <laughs> run away together and I don't, oh yeah she's also a brilliant actress. Okay, so uh, you want to fuck Melly Laurent? <laughs> but Great. in all I mean, seriousness, it's, it's not the first time a director's done that. We'll have to say that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, there's precedent for this. Um, 
in all seriousness, she's she is to me is the by far the best part of Inglorious Bastards, and um, she's really good in Beginnings, which is not a very memorable movie, but I thought she was really good in, and I think she's just another actress that hasn't really, you know taken off the way that she should she was in she worked with Denis Villeneuve in um that Jake Gyllenhaal movie that I can never remember the name of um, um enemy enemy right so yeah it's just another actress that I think needs my direction to really I'll be her agent as well to you know oh god wait wait that <laughs> now this is getting creepy I'll be your massage therapist I'll take, as well. I'll, I'm gonna take care of her <laughs> A beer oh, gynecologist. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Billy. Okay, um, my number. What is it? Four. Four. Yeah. I'm gonna take Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, oh very good. Pick. You know, she's such a talented actress, but I just think she hasn't been. Like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I didn't care for us, and I, like Star Wars didn't really use her that much, and she's great in Twelve Years a Slave, but that's kind of like a <laughs> terrible role. Um, yeah. to play and so I just yeah I want to see her like play something like really elegant she was great in Black Panther and a sort of a smaller role like that um, yeah and so I think she'd be very useful again classically trained accents diversity in terms of the kind of roles they can play and and you checked your diversity box <laughs> <laughs> Chapin's like I got my I got my black vote and my woman vote out in one pick <laughs> there we go all right, um, I am going to go with, I'm going to round my acting troupe up with Jesse Plemons. Oh, God damn it. He was on, I don't think I was going to pick him next, but he was on my list. Uh, yeah, he's, to me, I could see him being like the next Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, he's just been really good in everything he's been in the last few years, whether or not the movie's been good or not. Um, he's just fun to watch. You know what he's really funny in? Game Night. Did you yeah, guys see is. that? Gr- yeah, he is. He's <laughs> he just really plays good this creepy that. neighbor. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Um, he's also good in Fargo. Recently. Oh, the show! I never saw yep. that. Um, so there you go. That's my uh, my number five pick. So what's your full list, Jeremy? So I got Sam Rockwell, Cersei Ronan, Jonathan Majors, Michael Keaton, and Jesse Plemons. Are you gonna learn to pronounce her name before you cast her in the in the? Already cast doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Cersei, 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 come Cersei over Lannister. here. <laughs> hey Cersei, come over here. We're gonna have a little Cersei Jamie talk. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> All right, my next pick, my final pick is Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, good pick. Yeah. That's a great pick. I want to I want to get him out of the villain typecast here cuz I think he's yeah. got more range than that, but he always plays the bad guy or the black sheep or whatever it may be. I mean, he's legitimately been good in everything. I mean, he was good in a f- really forgettable show um Bloodline. I, Bloodline. Yeah, I literally couldn't even yeah. remember the name of it, but he was so interesting. Um obviously Animal Kingdom was the first movie I saw him in, which was great. He's good in he's really good in his small little role with his American accent in Dark Knight Rises. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Did you see him in um, that new HBO show he was in um, that I can't remember the name of? It came no. out like in January? I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I have a lot of young people in mind, so I'm going to cast... I'm going to grab Rafe Fiennes. 
Oh, very good. Mm. Yeah. Definitely versatile. Definitely versatile. Um, need a little old blood. Um, if I need a good villain, he can play a villain. Uh, he's also been proven to be a really good good guy, too. So, yeah. Brilliant. All right. So, Chapin, so, what's your list? I, uh, I have it right here. If you oh, want. Jeremy's you. got him. I got uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya, Colin Farrell, <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o, Ray Fiennes. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good troop. And then uh, Lee, I'm missing. Who was the last person you had? Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, Ben Mendelsohn. So you got Paul Giamatti, Idris Elba, Florence Pugh, uh, Melanie Laurent. Laurent. How close was I? <laughs> Melanie Laurent. And Ben Mendelsohn. I like it. I think we'll all make good movies. For sure. I people. had some others. That, like I, Guy Pierce was somebody I'd like to maybe at least get in a couple. Even if He doesn't seem to want to join a troop. He just likes to sort no. of. I bet he wishes he stayed, stayed in Nolan's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd have three more houses. Um, <laughs> Melissa yeah. Leo was another one, another actress I really like. Don't care for her. What was she good in? Oh, everything she's been in, but that's fine. Oh, the fighter. Yeah, she's amazing in that. Oh, f- Frozen uh, River. Yeah, I had. Uh, there's a couple I really, really wish. I wish I could have got Martin Freeman in. He would have been my next pick. <laughs> like, like how, so we no, I, we did it draft style, but nobody yeah. took anybody's picks. So to hear you say, I wish I could have got Martin Freeman in, but yeah, you, <laughs> you absolutely could have. <laughs> well, I just didn't make it. Can um, I ask you guys something? Would you ever want to have Ricky Gervais in your troop? Like, I would love no, to have Ricky he, Gervais, but he would be just so no, no he'd be obnoxious. He's not yeah. that good of an actor. He needs to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, you need to be able to act. Um. And you know who my uh, my other option for old guy was going to be uh, Chris Cooper. Mm. I like how we we uh, we've defined a, a an actor type is yeah, old, old guy. Old guy. <laughs> That's what Spike Lee did with the Five Bloods. He's like, okay, so I got Jonathan Majors. Now I need I need four old guys. Can you send me the list of the who old was guys? in the Wire? Yeah, what have I been watching lately? Okay, the Wire. All right. <laughs> Idris Elba, he's too he's too young for this. Yep. yep. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Um, if you want to, if you have any opinions that you would like to share with us, feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. Please email us. Find us on Instagram. And uh, thanks for listening. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.